Yo, yo, yo. Good morning. This is Chan Man, House of Barf. It is May 22nd, 2023, 1.29 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Joe Biden speaking. CNBC.com. Much of what they've already proposed is simply, uh, quite frankly, unacceptable. Meanwhile, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen urged leaders to... Uh, um, to be unable to pay all of our bills in early June and possibly as soon as June 1st. And um, I will continue to update Congress, but I certainly haven't changed my assessment. So I think that that's a, a, a hard deadline. Coming up on the show, Beijing takes aim at a major U.S. chipmaker as the G7 makes its position on China clear. Okay. Okay, so China, I think they're insinuating that they're calling Micron. Okay, uh, let me go ahead and turn that down. Okay, all right. Well, uh, this is Chan Man, House of Barf, um, one thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, can't be too loud. Uh, Got to be respectful. Um, not in a quiet place. Um, right now, um, catching up on, uh, Europe, uh, we're in Europe right now, uh, just seeing what's going on, uh, had a, uh, little bit of a busy weekend, um, just, uh, just family, friend things, um, uh, shout out to, um, my people from Cameroon, uh, supposedly, um, you were celebrating your national, uh, day this past weekend. Um, yeah, just an eventful weekend. Um, I'm not sure. Um, some team was playing in DC this past weekend. Here, let me look it up real quick. Uh, I have um, my uh, printer, a couple of books, uh, journals that have not been written in, uh, a bucket hat, uh, HP printer, uh, a, a saucer uh, with some, uh, uh, um, was it thin wheats? It's not, it's, it's not even wheat thins. It's thin wheats uh, with some uh, red pepper hummus. Um, um, also, uh, I actually do have a Bev. have some Hennessy. And, um, and what else do I have over here? Uh, Kirkland sparkling water lime. I'm actually going to take a sip of that. Uh, um... Crazy weekend in basketball. Uh, the um, <laughs> uh, uh, about you know a few hours ago, um, Boston Celtics and the uh, Miami Heat were playing. Um, woo, yeah, uh, go 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 check that out. Uh, um, and then the night prior. Uh, let's let's just see what's going on in Europe. What what they're what they're reporting. 
because I have no idea. Here, let, here, let's take a quick break. This is Chairman House of Barf. Good morning. Uh, this is Chairman House of Barf, CNBC.com. China targets Micron with trade restrictions, claiming the U.S. chipmaker poses a serious security risk, but Washington hits back, saying the move has no basis in fact. And Ryanair reports a near-record full-year profit and beats on the top line amid a strong recovery in traffic. The low-cost airline CFO telling CNBC the firm is resilient in the face of macro headwinds. The biggest risk is that, I suppose, it's the, the aviation industry. Something always goes wrong every few years, but because we have the balance sheet, because we have the cost base... Okay, airline, uh, debt ceiling. But the debt ceiling, we have till June. Um... So we'll take a look at that. Um, where, where are we at? We're, we're, we're out uh, today. We're, we're talking about Micron. CNBC is talking about Micron. Okay. Uh, let's see. What's today? The twenty-second. Uh, um, we have approximately uh, a week and a half. Uh, about. Uh, 10, 11 days, um, before June and then, um, shout out to the, I don't know when it starts Gemini's here real quick. We'll just do a little research. Uh, cause I'm not a horoscope. I, I love astronomy, uh, but I'm not a horoscope, uh, uh, fanatic. Um, uh, let me see. Joe Biden's talking real quick. Oh, gosh, he froze. So the G7 was united in its approach oh. to Beijing. We're also united in our approach to People's Republic of China. Here we go. In the joint statement released yesterday, outlines the shared principles we've all agreed at the G7 and beyond in dealing with China. We're not looking to decouple from China. We're looking to de-risk and diversify our relationship with China. That means taking steps to diversify our supply chains, and we're not so we're not dependent on any one country for necessary product. It means resisting economic coercion together and countering harmful practices that hurt our workers. It means protecting uh -oh. What is going on? This debt ceiling thing <laughs> it's taking a toe. It's taking a toe. It's taking a turn. Um okay. Okay, uh, real quick, I just want to see who is the number one holder of a U.S. debt. Give me one second. Um, <laughs> um, um, let me see. Hmm. Going, going to Google.com. Um, we're gonna go to uh, who. Is U.S. debt holders? Who is the biggest U.S. debt holder? That that's what I'm. Uh, uh, this this is um. Who's the major uh, holder of U.S. debt? Uh, U.S. Facts. Okay, let's go to U.S. Facts. Um. And I'm going to go ahead and let um, AI. 
Which countries hold the most U.S. debt? Over the past 20 years, Japan and China have owned more U.S. treasuries than any other foreign nation. Between 2000 and 2022, Japan grew from owning $534 billion to just over $1 trillion, while China's ownership grew from $101 billion to $855 billion. April 4, 2023. Oh. Shit. Okay. Let's see. Who is this? Uh, this is Milan. Uh, talking to be a matter of managing a trade off. Being objective, as far as China is concerned, and the young of setting up a dialogue to sustain a peaceful and uh, relevant, from an economic viewpoint, world. Juliana, it's hard to read between the narrative here because you've had the US and China at lockheads over this. Okay. All right. That's not what. We're going to focus on today. Um, all right. Now, uh, that was just um, update on what's been going on. Um, if we could focus on something real quick uh, that I had a question about, uh, which was France. It Was it France this past weekend? Um, which, don't quote me. I believe my... Cameroonians, uh, and don't quote me on that, uh, um, spoke a lot of French, um, France protest, um, over, I believe it was, um, retirement age, uh, this is ABC News, um, dot com, let me pop, let me, let me, all right, let's just take a quick look at this real quick. Um, Across France. Take a look at fires now ABC breaking News. out. Earlier today, uh, as protesters and speaking. police fight in the streets of Paris, hundreds of thousands of people taking part in these demonstrations for International Workers' Day, also known as May Day. Protesters still very unhappy about French President Emmanuel Macron's decision to raise France's retirement age from 62 to 64. ABC's Inès de Lucutara joins us from Paris now. So, Inès, what are you seeing where you are right now? Hey, Alexis. So this area appears to be clearing out a little bit, though there might be some clashes in just a moment. You can see over here there's a row of police officers behind me. And then back here, this is where the protesters have been. And you can see police officers are starting to move in uh, to clear the crowds. That's a tactic they've been using time and time again. They kind of move in to try and disperse the crowds. Okay. So, um, retirement age and... I mean, it's not a joke, but <laughs> people are like, nah, <laughs> uh-uh, you said 62. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Let me see. Um, what can raising the um, uh, the uh, retirement age do to the economy? Let me see real quick. Uh, what can Raising or lowering uh, the retirement age due to
to the economy. Oh, goodness gracious. Mm, let's see if we can find something real quick. Economic growth, five major factors. See, that uh, I'm hoping I'm not going to read what I think I'm about to read. Uh, meaning, <laughs> oh my gosh. <coughs> Let me get some of this sprinkling water. Oh, I hope I'm not about to read what I didn't want to. Let's just read. Uh, uh, rise in labor participation. Uh, that's right. Let me see. I just, uh, I just, I just want to make sure this is uh, what we're supposed to be on topic about. Uh, five ways economic growth occurs. Okay, I don't know if that has anything to do with age. Okay, let me see. Raising retirement ages improves program solvency. Uh, I just want to see. Uh. Because, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, even raising it 24 months is, is, is no joke. Um, so, let's see, Joe Biden speaking. In order to compete with the Western world. Well, well the tricky issue for several countries is that... Okay. So, raising retirement ages improves program solvency, but may cause hardship for some. Okay, uh, article written, uh, Barbara D. Bovjurge, Director, Income Security Issues, Health, Education, and Human Services Division, uh, the United States General Accounting Office. Woo! Accounting. <laughs> it's been a little while. Thank you for um, even participating. Uh, I've, yeah, great. Okay, so we're in the, we're in the accounting office. Great. Okay, raising the reti- here. I'm gonna let AI. Uh, let me see. Here, this is just the title. Oh gosh, this stuff sometimes it freezes. Oh my goodness, because it's it's a lot of here. Let me do ba bing. I think I. Kind of has to be. Uh, United States. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can hear it yourself. Statement of. Go for back. release on delivery expected at 1.30 p.m. United States General Accounting Office GAO testimony before. For release on delivery expected at 1.30 p.m. Wednesday, July 15th, 1998, Social Security Reform. Okay. Raising retirement age. Ages improves program solvency, but may cause hardship for some. Okay. So, let's go ahead and take a quick look what raising the retirement age um, can do uh, for a program. Uh, Um... Okay. Okay. So we're not going to take a look into that right now. 
but it does something. It does something. So, uh, Social Security Act uh, enacted 1935 during the Great Depression. Uh, just, yo, know, uh, AI, just quick read. Just quick read. Let me see. Because, I mean, for two, 24 months, just to see the, to see what they're doing, it's like, oh my gosh. That, I mean, uh, that is, um, Increase costs to this program. In addition, SSI could also experience increased participation and higher costs because some individuals will be duly eligible for DI and SSI. I have no idea what that means. Back. Around the Social Security Act was was enacted in 1935 during the Great Depression as a social insurance program to provide an income foundation upon which individuals could build for their retirement years. In 1956, the DI program was added to Social Security to provide income to disabled workers. Over the years, the three main components of retirement income, Social Security, pensions, and savings, have dramatically improved the income of the elderly, thereby substantially reducing their poverty rates. Mm-mm-mm. A court... Oh, no. Oh, no. And, and that was just one paragraph. Uh, this is approximately... Oh, this is approximately 13 pages, so it's not too long, but... Okay. Uh, it's a lot. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. These uh, <laughs> these people we consider elderly have been really doing well for themselves. <laughs> starting, to, starting to get the attention of uh, the government. Uh, so, yeah. That's nothing with House of Barf. Uh, the main thing I want to talk about is the economy. Well, I guess the economy is... Uh, let's see. They didn't even go over that. But I'm not going to... Uh, let me see. You know... You know, um, is there possible positions that people who are elderly, you know, can do, um, you know, at their at their free will? Um, um, that may be able to uh, contribute. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, like you can't expect. Uh, someone who's elderly to work, you know, no offense, uh, a 40 hour shift, you know, they could probably work a one hour shift, um, you know, uh, stay below, uh, any social security requirements or something, uh, contribute to society, uh, no, and no offense, uh, instead of, um, uh, there's probably, I, I don't know. Was the last pension given out? Let me see. I'm just going to Google that real quick. Um, the last pensions, I think those are outdated. Uh, when was the last pension uh, given out? I don't know. Uh, it was, this is Wikipedia, uh, who was the last recipient of a pension? Uh, 
Let me just see. I don't know. Uh, but basically, the pension went out, um, went into the 401k, uh, and then, oh, I've been talking for about 16 minutes. Um, and then um, we don't know, will the 401k be, you know, 401k Roth? I hear some people talking about that now. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a quick break. This is Chairman House of Bar. Yo, 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 what's good? Yo, this is Chan Man, House of Barf. Thank you to anybody and everybody who decided to come back and ch- kick it with your man, Chan. Uh, so, what we were just talking about was the 401k Roth, and supposedly, and don't quote me because I'm not Googling it right now because I don't feel like talking about taxes and shit because that's not my department. Uh, and yeah, I'm, be- I'm being that guy right now. But essentially, if I'm correct, um, if... Uh, you contribute to a Roth, the amount that you contribute, you know, per annuum or that year, you can withdraw, um, you know, completely tax-free uh, and consult your CPA, CFA, whatever. Uh, so with a 401k, you know, whenever you take a distribution, and it doesn't have to be a full distribution, it's just that for that year. And, yeah, sometimes the, the IRS can increase the amount. So let's say, for example... Um, you know, you can withdraw out to 5,500, uh, per year, um, and one year, especially let's say during like COVID or during the housing crisis that you could pull out like 18,5, you know what I'm saying? Cause like that whole non-penalty bullshit was cool and all, but it was like, dog, okay. So you said non-penalty, meaning that, you know, I don't have to pay the 10% for, Withdrawing it under fifty nine and a half, but you know, I don't know. I didn't take a withdrawal from my four hundred one k during the non penalty period. But was there a possible tax? You know, was it non penalty, no taxes, no age? I don't know. I, right now, I'm not going to Google that because that's getting too much into taxes. And um, House of Barb does not get into taxes. That's not my department. Um, uh, that's you know completely IRS. Uh, um, um, if I could talk about one thing with taxes, listen, this is Sunday morning, um, completely just rambling, uh, just getting this started. Um, if I did talk about anything with, uh, taxes, it would be a step up cost basis. All right. Eat my thin wheat. Not even thin. These are thicker than wheat thins. Um, step up cost basis. That'd be the one thing that I would um tell the people to um do a little research on, just before you make a decision. Um, you know, you know, you never know. You know, life expectancy is changing day to day. But yeah, um, today, I mean, right, not today, but as of right now, you know, it's one approximately about one fifty-four a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, let me see. 
Let's see my notes. Um, so I'm having a pretty eventful uh, weekend, which is a true blessing. Um, didn't create any content today. Also, you know, so uh, just trying to get it done early. Uh, they're going over the indexes uh, in uh, Hong Kong. Up from G7, a cautious approach from world leaders about how to deal with China from here. The Australian market, uh, don't forget, very much linked around the commodities trade, is down two tenths of a percent. The opening calls, European markets were looking just a little bit soft before the start. The green areas, but again, not a huge amount of direction at this early hour. Markets were stronger in that Friday session, and uh, across the course of the week, uh, again, that's CNBC.com. They're, um, yeah, um. Supposedly, they're like, you know, kind of related to the American market. So, um, probably won't be uh, uh, China or Hong Kong or whoever. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I think they start around 3 a.m. Not sure if I'm going to be around at that time. Um, just wanted to get a little bit in. Um, okay, a little bit of uh, content because uh, I'm actually okay right now. However, this is not appropriate time to be uh, creating content. Uh, you know, people are trying to get some rest. But, you know, let's just go and see how it goes. Um, hmm. You know, I have a few uh, topics that I've just jotted down. Um, hmm. Well, in the meanwhile, I'm seeing uh, um, some topics, cryptocurrency, uh, dark web. Um, um, of course, I just want to thank anybody and everybody uh, who decided uh, Jewish Hi History Month. Um, that's month of May, right? Let me see. That kind of. Yeah, that's May. So we still have, um, you know, about a week ahead of Jewish History Month. Um, so we may take a look into that. We may do a couple more Jewish history things. Um, immigration, Jewish, um, you know, kind of um, uh, economics. You know, we may just, if, if I didn't have to ramble, um, which I would probably do on a Sunday. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing just a little bit of history on immigration, Jewish history, uh, the economy around, um, I told you, uh, the, um, the little, the, the little stepson, stepsister of, uh, Barf is economics. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just not in there. Uh, <laughs> But it, it, you know, uh, yeah. Let's let's take a look into that. Uh, that might be what I want to be into. Uh, that's just one of the topics. I'll take a look into that. But um, in the meanwhile, let's just take a quick break. Chairman House of Barf. Yo yo yo, what's good, yo? This Chairman House of Barf. Thank you to anybody and everybody who decided to take some time out of their early morning uh, to kick it with your man Chairman while we're looking at Europe markets right now um 
they're the ones reporting right now, if I'm correct, out of Milan. That was one of the places I saw today. Uh, sipping Kirkland's sparkling water, lime. Um, yeah, just just still um, making sure that we create content. Um, I'm sitting here. Uh, we're chilling. We're chilling. I'm 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 sipping some Hennessy. Um, munching. Um, and besides munch, um. I've heard people say munch way back in the day. Uh, it's nothing new, but hey, I'm just being that old head. Um, just wanted to talk about, uh, I was looking at Jewish American heritage. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, I'm still just rambling. Um, it's not necessary. Uh, just want to uh, make sure I'm creating some content. Uh, it's the month of May. May is almost over. Um, I haven't been really talking about much. Um, had a couple other topics. Uh, one I touched on earlier, cost basis. But not just uh, the step up cost. That was one form of cost basis. Uh, that's for inheritance. Um, bank failures. That's been on my mind. I uh, just kind of want to look it up. But, yeah, just kicking it. Um, uh, you know, definitely uh, we'll just keep it on Jewish Heritage Month. Take our time. It's no rush. We're chilling. Um, what's been going on this weekend? Um, um, not one of my better weekends. Um, mm, did did um, have a discussion uh discussion this weekend. Uh that was tough. Um mm, yeah, just more family stuff. Uh but it was it was related to um my immediate family, more meaning more so my um my significant other and uh family. Just stuff we have to discuss. Um so far European markets, I'm not gonna report it. I'm not gonna even try. Uh, seem pretty flat. Um, yeah, things are going pretty well. Uh, other than that, other than all that stuff, things are going pretty well. Uh, hmm, I'm not sure if that's really what I want to go over Jewish heritage much. No, no, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's go. Let's go. Real quick. Uh, what do I want to talk about with Jewish heritage much? Um... You know, one important thing that I think about is um, marriage with uh, economics. And uh, let me see the um, marriage rate um, in Jewish, um, I don't know, culture. I don't want to be... I don't want to ask what's the divorce rate, but like, let me see. This is uh, pewresearch.org, uh, marriage family. Uh, let me see. 
go ahead and let AI read. For marriage, families, and children. About two-thirds of U.S. Jewish adults are either married, 59%, or living with a partner, 7%. Among those who are married, many have spouses who are not Jewish. Fully 42% of all currently married Jewish respondents indicate they have a non-Jewish spouse. Among those who have gotten married since 2010, 61% are intermarried. At the same time, intermarriage is very rare among Orthodox Jews. 98% of Orthodox Jews who are married say their spouse is Jewish. If one excludes the Orthodox and looks only at non-Orthodox Jews who have gotten married since 2010, 72% are intermarried. Okay, I'm going to pause The right survey there. finds that among married Jews who are currently parents of minor children in their household, those who have a Jewish spouse are far more likely than those who are intermarried to say they are raising their children as Jewish by religion. And among married Jews... Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pause there. Um, I always kind of looked at uh, marriage and um, and how that affects uh, the dynamic of, you know, the economy. You know, so as we were hearing, uh, and I'm going to keep the topic, um, you know, for, uh, you know, Jewish Heritage Month. Heritage Month. Um, let me see something real quick. Uh, right now, I'm even looking at something. Barbara May Cameron, uh, 69th birthday. Today, Doodles celebrate. Let me let AI. Um, do its thing. Today's Doodle celebrates Hunk Papa Lakota Native American activist, photographer, and writer, Barbara May Cameron. Okay. She was nationally recognized as a leading human rights activist for women, LGBTQ, and Native American rights. Oh, okay, okay. Learn more. <laughs> Barbara May... Yeah, um, well, shout out to the Native Americans, uh, LGBTQ, um, I thought there, uh, I was IA, um... Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, human rights, um, marriage and, uh, the economy, uh, and as we saw, um, there's approximately about, approximately about 60% of, um, people who see themselves as Jewish. And one thing I was looking at was, um, um, something I was looking at a documentary, uh, for kids on, uh, you know, basically I had a question like, what is a Jewish person? Cause you'll ask somebody, you know, um, you know, what's your nationality or something? They'll say Jewish. And then, uh, you'll say, okay, so, um, do you practice? And they're like, no. So then you find out, I was looking at this little documentary for kids. If I can find it, um, um, is that Jewish is more than that. It's culture, it's uh heritage, it's um uh religion, um it's it's so many things. So uh that was you know an eye opener for me. It was like, Oh, okay, okay. Uh and I just looked looked at that, you know, earlier this month. Uh 
with my children. Um, so, um, we saw approximately like 60% of, uh, two, according to, uh, Pew Research Center, uh, org or, uh, pewresearch.org. Um, and that was written in May 11th, 2021. So that number, you know, could be up or down. So, um, how, I just want to say something real quick. How does marriage, uh, affect, uh, the economy? So this is Forbes magazine. Uh, let's go ahead and let AI take over. Child poverty and oh. higher median family Sorry. incomes, higher levels of ma- higher levels of marriage are strongly correlated with more state GDP per capita, greater levels of upward economic mobility, lower levels of child poverty, and higher median family incomes. Okay, so you know. Um, let's just see, um, let's see if a married couple makes more or less than an individual. That's just why I want to Google real quick. Um, what is the difference in income? Between a married couple and a single, I don't know, person. Single uh, versus married. Um, yeah, let me do that. Single versus married. Income, not like taxes, just who makes more married people. Yeah, let me check that. Married or single? Okay, this is bigthink.com. Let's just see what they're talking about. This is much more married people earn compared to their peers, varies by gender and education. That married people make more than their single peers is a well-established fact. How much more married people earn compared to their peers varies by gender and education, but it can range from 4.5% to a staggering 32.6%. This gap exists for both men and women, though the overall effect tends to be greater for men Jan 5th. 5, 2022. Okay. Um, according to Big Think, uh, 2022, uh, it's just a fact. If you're married, you make more than your peers that are single. Uh, but it does vary. Um, 4.5 to a staggering 30.6. So, not picking on the Jews, just, you know, uh, 
given respect. Um, according to uh, goodness gracious, oh man, what is going on? Stuff is freezing. No way. Let me, let me, uh, pull some stuff out. All right, let's just go ahead and take a quick break. This is Chan Man House of Barf. Yo, 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 what's good? Yo, this is Chan Man House of Barf. Thank you to anyone and everyone who decided to take time out of their day to come kick it with your man Chan Man at, at the house. Um... You know, I, this weekend, again, was an eventful weekend, and um, I just want to shout out one of my buddies um, that reached out this past weekend. Uh, you know, individuals have definitely been checking on me, seeing how I've been doing since I've been terminated, um, and one of my homies reached out to me, and I was just very appreciative, um, just uh, just saying hey how's it been since you've been terminated man and it was like you know what uh it was a whole lot it was a whole lot you know I had to question myself you know like question like am I stupid or uh you know was my work really that bad and um you know we just discussed things like that and um I was just really appreciative of them reaching out. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and again, um, was also just able to celebrate uh, a national holiday with uh, with some of my buddies. It was uh, the Cameroon uh, national holiday. Uh, so that was fun as well. Um, uh still still having some uh some other issues uh interpersonally uh that that stuff goes on like all the time um that's why I also don't want to make a stir uh you know trying to get some content created uh approximately 2:17 a.m. eastern standard time um but yeah it was just definitely going over a marriage and you know approximately it said something about 60% of uh let's just say Jewish uh individuals um are married and that can make a, a varying uh between 4.5 and it said approximately 32%. So um you know with uh the difference with money like that um you know, you could, you're able to purchase things like real estate. Um, you know what? I'm about to put the laptop down, uh, and I'm about to uh, just lay down and do this podcast. Probably just laying down. Uh, we're about to go ahead and just take another quick break. This is Chairman House of Barf. Yo, yo, yo! What's good? This is Chairman House of Barf. Thank you to anybody and everybody who decided to stop by who decided to stop by and take time out of their day to come kick it with your man chairman at the house uh at, at, <laughs> at this monstrosity um I, I call this the uh Donald Trump hour 
Uh, this is that time of day where you should not be creating content. It's approximately 2.27 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let's just see what Europe is talking about. Kind of like the, the power law companies, so to speak, you, you miss, but then you don't have the 19 stummers along the way as well. So there's a market rally this year, very narrow. Once again, despite the amazing excitement we will have about AI and perhaps concern about AI as well, the, the, the value sounds like we're talking about AI again. Uh, but this is about that hour where probably shouldn't be creating content, but am. Um, uh, I had to go get myself a piece of chicken. Uh, I still got the red pepper hummus. Uh, it's just not holding me over. Uh, but I, I, I need to, uh, you know, wash that weight. Uh, so we were just talking about marriage and the economy and, uh, you know, just trying to keep it, uh, on Jewish heritage month. Um, so that's more so. So one thing is, uh, it's it's almost a known fact that married couples make more money than um, um, uh, single and in, single people, single individuals. Uh, let's take a look. Um, how much of the population? Uh, Uh, how much of the population has herpes? Uh, okay. No, that's like what popped up. I was like, what? That's nowhere near what I was trying to talk about. Uh, how much of the population, um, oh my gosh, real quick, <laughs> this, this is not even anything I was trying to type in. Globally, 67% of the population has herpes simplex virus. Many do not know they have it. Genital herpes occurs in 13% of the global population. In the U.S., 48% of the population have HSV-1, whereas 12% have HSV-2. August 24th, 2022. How many people have herpes? Oh, sorry. K-Health. K-Health. Uh, that was... August 2022. That's not what I was trying to type in. Um, how much of the population is, I guess for lack of better words. Oh, that was the other thing. Like, it's a religion. It's Jew Judaism. Um, so, like, I don't know if I want to type in how many people, you know, but I'm just going to put in how many, uh, how much of the population in the U.S., Is Jewish. Uh, this is uh, what I want to do. Let me go back to Pew Research. Um, Jewish Americans. This is twenty twenty again. It's like okay, well, information like this, I I do not. I, I want the most current, but it's twenty twenty. The size of the U.S. Jewish population. This report classifies approximately five point eight million adults. 2.4% of all U.S. adults as Jewish. This includes 4.2 million, 1.7% 1 
who identify as Jewish by religion and 1.5 million Jews of no religion, 0.6%.17 people are categorized as Jews of no... Um, that point seventeen. that was a, a footnote. Uh, let me see. That was basically period. No, go back. But, I was going to say, Jews make up about 2.4% of, wait, of the U.S. adult population. Okay. Now that footnote, because it said 17, um, that 17 was a footnote. Let me see if I can click on it and see what it was about. Just so, you you know, you're not completely like point seventeen, was it? Um... Basically, the 17 footnote is uh, figures may not add up because of rounding. Percentages are rounded to one decimal. Um, population counts are rounded to the nearest 100,000. Okay, All right. that was completely useless. I mean, I mean, yeah. But, okay. So, Jewish people only make up approximately 2.4% of the adult population. Um, um, kind of just want to see the overall population. Um, so what I'm getting at is, um, they make up, okay, you can't get married to an adult, right? So that's all that really matters. Um, uh, I, I, I know there's an issue with, uh, Jewish people and their um, stereotypical knowledge of wealth. Um, but, you know, we just saw uh, they, they they make up 2.4. Uh, let me see how much. Here, let's just do a little bit of Jewish Heritage Month real quick. Um to kind of keep it at least on topic. Um, let me see. I, I want to check something real quick. Because essentially, I would say Jewish people uh, resonate with European people. Um, what's the difference? I was going to try to pull up some uh, YouTube video or something. What's the difference? But I got to go back. Uh, what's the difference in income? between let's say Europeans and blacks for lack of better words uh, that's 2018 I want, now I want like a 2023 mm, um Also, uh, what are the main factors to, I'm going to put not be, to not become poor. For lack of better words, because I'm just trying to 
Um, what what are the main factors uh, that lead to poverty? In the U.S. Seven most cause uh, this Tierra.org. Uh, let's just see. Um, lack of access to food and clean water, lack of jobs, warfare, conflict, social injustice, lack of infrastructure, climate change, lack of education. Um, not sure how true that is. Uh, let me see. I'm gonna go to Google Scholar. Uh, let's let's just take a quick break. This is Chairman House of Barf. What I wanted essentially to get at was there's not much difference between people, but um, one huge thing that I'm noticing um, with European males, including Jewish as well, um, is that um, more likely to be married. And there's an economic difference between, I can't find all the research right now. It's getting a little bit uh, dry. Um, trying to find this information. Uh, but let's just look at. I'm about to pull up a couple of YouTube videos. Um, and let's just look at uh, some Jewish heritage. Uh, let's see. Let me see. And we can decide to. Um, Discuss it or not. Um, let's take a look. This is such a stereotypical uh, conversation. Um, Let me just do, I'm just doing Jewish heritage. And it just goes to, um, let's do Jewish American heritage. Wednesday, but we are this celebrating and honoring Isaac the contributions of, of Jewish Americans here in America. can't name all these people but they're showing various pictures this was done about two years ago the story of jewish migration to america begins some 400 years ago in the 1650s when small groups of jews arrived settling in what would become new york and newport rhode island more jews would trickle in over the decades to such places as Savannah, Georgia, and Charleston, South Carolina. They played roles in many parts of America's development. Some even fought in the American Revolution and the Civil War. In the mid-1800s, a larger migration of Jews arrived from German-speaking lands of Europe. Some 50,000 came during this period 
settling in the Northeast and Midwest. Jews also went to California for the gold rush. Famous families such as the Strausses of Levi Strauss, the Oxes and Salzburgers of the New York Times, and the Guggenheims had their origins in this wave of Jewish immigration to the United States. As the 19th century went on, more and more Jews came to America. But even as late as the 1870s, their numbers were moderate at just more than 200,000. I'm gonna speed it up just a little bit. That would dramatically change as millions of Jews would soon call America home. Hi, I'm Kiana Cox-Jones, coordinator for equity and inclusion here in Olive White County Schools. And today we are speaking with Steve, our guest, who's talking to us and sharing his heritage as a Jewish American. My name is Steve Kepnes. I'm the executive director of budget and finance, and I do identify as uh, American Jew. Uh, I was the first in my family to graduate from Hebrew school, so I went there for all of my years of schooling. Uh, we learned uh, every time we met twice a week, we would learn Hebrew. We would take classes in uh, religion and traditions. I celebrated my bar mitzvah. It was my, uh, my 13th year. And as many young men, women do, I think the girls sometimes do it when they're in, at 12 years old. Traditionally, the boys do it at 13. Um, and then I went through, we had a, a Friday night service welcoming the Sabbath, where I led many of the, the, the prayers, the songs. And then Saturday mornings, beginning at 9 o'clock, was our Saturday morning service. That went till about 11.30, 12 o'clock. I led all the prayers at that, so there was many months of preparation to, to learn the prayers, memorize the prayers, and be able to lead the congregation. We would read from the Torah. There's a, a fixed number of Torah readings every Saturday. Um, so I, I read from the Torah, which is challenging, because it's in a Hebrew script, and it doesn't have the vowels, which is interesting. So you either have to memorize how those vowels go and really memorize the reading, or you have to be able to actually read that script writing, which is a very unique form of the Hebrew writing. I play the guitar, I enjoy my rock and roll music, so I looked some up, and, uh, and I learned that Simon and Garfunkel are both Jewish. Um, I learned that two of the founders of the band Kiss, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, both Jewish. Um, so I was very amazed that all this time, I, I loved the Kiss music growing up. I played Simon Garfunkel and had no idea um, that they were Jewish, so that was exciting for me to learn about that. My Jewish heritage is who I am. It's big on, we're big on tradition. Um, I've been to Israel a couple times. My sister lives in Israel. She's had three who are now adult girls, daughters of her own, and they all live in Israel. Um, tra tradition, family, uh, the high holidays come September. Rosh Hashanah is the New Year's. Yom Kippur is when we repent for our sins to welcome the New Year with a clean slate. Um, so I enjoy doing that. I like reaching out to my mom. My dad has since passed away, but on the holidays and uh, Hanukkah, we light the candles. We'll call my mom with my kids. So um, I just enjoy the traditions. Who's in for bringing the party? Who's in for bringing the party? Mm. Jewish, the models of Bobby. I know you Barbie. Okay. Um, showing more images of individuals. Uh, again, that's Isel uh, of Wright uh, County Schools. Uh, so that was just really cool. I know it's not the speaker of all Jewish individuals, but you know, uh, we're just trying, uh, well, uh, me, chairman, I'm just trying my best. Um, let's see real quick. I think, uh, UBS, uh, is talking about oil. Pay $70 a barrel for Saudi or Middle Eastern product when I can pay $50 a barrel for Euros oil. 
Well, there's a geopolitical aspect you want to think about, so that that's one element. Um, but as I said before, I don't think the, the reduction in the Russian Indians and the Chinese. Be, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just that, want to get this point in early. The Indians and Chinese don't care about the geopolitical angle. They just want the cheap product. True, okay. but I think on the other side, Russia wants to stick with the OPEC Plus agreement. Um, they're having an issue with oil production. Um. This is so stereotypical, uh, talking about Jewish people in the economics, uh, but um, we're, we're realizing a lot, um, just hearing even that one guy talk about his heritage, and he was very passionate, you know, and that was beautiful. Um, I don't want to sit here and think that, you know... Jewish people have, I guess, essentially what people would say, the monopoly on financial literacy. But what I'm looking at is marriage. And I want to see something. Uh, I'm just going to take blacks. Okay. What? Oh, sorry. That was a uh, CNBC again. Here, real quick, I think that's that's important. Yes, I agree with you. China story needs to get a little bit more um, confidence as well back. Uh, although, uh, as I said, I think consumer is in a good shape, so I'm not worried about that one. So I think these fundamental changes need to happen with inventories falling. I think if we have that kind of backdrop, people will start to say, "Hang on a minute, you know, if I invest into a future, what does it mean? I get the cash collateral gives me." Okay. I don't know. He's talking about oil futures. I have no idea. Um, what is the marriage rate of blacks? Uh, the black community in America. Uh, this is the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education. Uh, this is from November. Uh, 2022. Population had never been married compared to half of the black population. Oh, oh, oh. Some 34.4% of black men were married in 2021 hmm. compared to 28.6% of black women, NOV 21st, 2022. Here, let me see if I can rewind that. Nearly 54% of the white population was married compared to 31.2% of the black population. Only 27.5% of the white population had never been married compared to half of the black population. Some 34.4% of black men were married in 2021 compared to 28.6% of black women, NOV. November 21st, 2022. Um... 54% of the white population. So, uh, compared to 31% of the black population. Um, and I'm not trying to bundle Jewish people up with, you know, uh, European people. But, you know, for lack of better education. That's what I'm pretty much doing. Um, so... It's a fact that uh, I mean that one article may seem like it was a pure fact. 
married people make more money than single people. Jewish people make up approximately 2% of adult couples. I mean, adult population. Um, nearly 54% of the white population is married compared to the 31%. And the amount that you can make can be between approximately 5% to 32%. That's insane. So. Let's just. It, it's not. Let, let, now let's. And I know we're using percentages. I want to know the monetary. How much. A married couple. Earns compared to the black community. <laughs> that's not how much. That's how much. No, compared to single people, the black community. Say no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it brought me up the other one. Uh, what was it? CNBC again. Uh, not married men. Uh, just a married couple. Uh, what is this? Fortune. Oh, they're gonna make me pay for the article. Um, I was gonna type in, is it? Better to be married, echo, versus, let's see, this is investopedia.com. Insurance costs to higher mortgage eligibility. There are a number of, there are a number of financial benefits, about 756 million res. Your activity. Search hist saving. Using search. Safe search manage safe search setting. Languages. English. Advanced appearance. What in the world? I'm sorry. Insurance costs to higher mortgage eligibility. There are a number of financial benefits to marriage ranging from lower insurance costs to higher mortgage eligibility. The marriage benefits are particularly pronounced for people who have widely different incomes. Okay. Uh, lower insurance and higher mortgage el eligibility. Okay. So, do people with houses make more money because they were saying people who are married they have lower insurance i'm not going to go into insurance so a couple topics i'm not going into taxes insurance and real estate so tier okay oh tire okay that's house attire even though i do talk about economics house attire 
taxes, insurance, real estate, and economics, not touching. That's not what I do. Let's see what uh, uh, Europe is talking about the U.S. economy. We are chasing a slightly choppy picture, not a matter of, not uh, really much appetite, as you can see across on core markets to the periphery as we wrapped up the trade last week. We were stronger, modestly so, on the benchmark in Europe. To the Asian markets in session, Japanese stocks still on a tear. You can see uh, closing in on 31,000. Okay, Asian markets are starting to open. Let me see if I can jump over there. In recent trades, up nine-tenths of a Goodness gracious, here we are. I'm up. Let's see if we can jump to Asia. Uh, I think it's about seven minutes out. I could be wrong. Is markets are looking to diversify away from the mainland locations for the uh, market. If you see some of those activities just pivoting away from Chinese markets. Yeah, but I mean, even if, even with the status quo on China, because I, I don't. I've got to be honest, I'm deeply sceptical that there will be a decline in trade flows. I know one of our next stories is going to say, well, there's some concerns. Okay, let's go ahead and take a quick break. This is Chan Man, Al Sabar, out of CNBC.com. Yo, 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 what's good? This is Chan Man, House of Barf. Um, thank you to anybody and everybody who decided to take some time out of their day to come kick it with your man. Um, so one thing I kind of discovered. Uh, just paying homage to Jewish Heritage Month. It's May twenty second, twenty twenty three, approximately two fifty six a.m. Um, and one thing we looked up is the Jewish population makes up about uh, the Jewish adult population. Um, let's see if I can try this one more time. Um, Joe Biden's talking. The shared principles we've all agreed to at the G7 and beyond in dealing with China. We're not looking to decouple from China. We're looking to de-risk and diversify our relationship with China. That means taking steps to diversify. I'm talking about China. <laughs> it's not much different than uh, any other time. We are talking about China. Um, how... Um, not just trying to quantify anybody. How much uh, do Jewish people make up overall of the U.S. population? And it's it's obviously not that much. Um. Uh, what I'm looking at is approximately about um, 5.7 million, um, which is about approximately 2. Point, yeah, about 2.5 or 2. 2, 2. 2.3, about 2.3%. So it's not even of the adult population. It's just of the overall population. Um, that's about six point. So let me go ahead and do six point five. Uh, and that was Pew Research. Okay, so um, six 
million. Five hundred divided by I'm gonna do three hundred and thirty million. It's about two percent. So Jewish population makes about two percent. Um and in that two percent, approximately about sixty percent of the of the Jewish population is married. One thing we saw was married leads to uh, lower insurance costs as well as a higher percentage to get a home. One thing we realized there was difference between rich people and poor people is, uh, let me see, is that, did we look that up? Um, if I'm correct. Um, one thing that was different uh, between married and single people well, yeah, was the approval to get a home. Uh, so, um, I just wanted to look up. Um, let me see. I just want to look up something about a home. Do people with houses make more money? Like, what's the difference in income? It would have to be approximately about $250,000. Because essentially, that's the cost of a home. What is the difference in net worth? I'll do that. Net worth between a married couple and single. And it's obviously it has something to do with a house. Um, let me see. The wealth gap. Uh, this is called the couple. The couple's privilege. And as we know, you know gaps. You kind of got to keep them close. Uh, excuse me. This is a Yahoo Life article. Uh, it's called The Couple's Privilege. Here, I'll let AI read it. Lauren Bird. March 24th. March 20. 808. Mail. Sign in. Search query. Apple Privilege. The wealth gap between married and single Americans has more than doubled in the last decade. Here's how to get ahead when you're at a notable disadvantage. Lauren Bird. March 24th, 2023, 5-minute read. If you... Couple privilege. The wealth gap between married and single Americans has more than doubled in the last decade. Here's how to get ahead when you're at a... Don't miss... You could be the landlord of Walmart, Whole Foods, and CVS. The gap that keeps on growing. In 2019, the net worth of married and single households differed by $60,000, more than double the size of the gap that existed in 2010, when it was about $25,000, according to data from the survey of
the survey of consumer finances analyzed by Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. So, approximately, okay, yeah, an issue. Um, I'm going to exit out of that. Uh, it's approximately about $60,000. Okay. So, as a married couple, you have the a benefit of uh, get, possibly getting approved for a home more. Uh, and I would say uh, a huge amount of net worth between a married couple or not a you know married couple uh would be you know the equity in the home um let's take a look what's the average equity what's the average equity in a home this is uh bankrate.com CoreLogic NOV 28-2022-Homeowner-Equ-Quick-Settings-C-All-Search-Settings-In-Fact-In-The-Second-Quarter-Of-2022-The-Average-Level-Of-Equity-For-Homeowners-With-Mortgages-Hit-Nearly-300,
Okay, I'm going to do that again. Uh, 5 million of them married. Times that by 300,000. Because this is the amount of money in the Jewish population. That's approximately $1.5 trillion. Uh, if I'm correct. That's million, billion, trillion. So it's approximately $1.5 trillion. Now let's take the overall population of, let's say, blacks. Real quick, overall population of blacks in the U.S. Forty-one million. Okay, so you take forty-one million times that by uh, point thirty, because point thirty of them are getting married. That's approximately about 12 million. Then times that by 300,000, the amount um, that married couples make less, or make over single individuals, which is approximately 3.6. This math is all wrong. Let me see. Um, Forty-one million times um, point zero three one. Okay, okay, that makes up about one million individuals times three hundred thousand. One point two million. Uh, okay, which comes up to be about three hundred eighty-one billion. Now let's take one point five trillion and subtract three hundred eighty nine, I guess, billion. Right, not trillion. Okay. One point five trillion. Oh, that's millions, billions, trillions. Subtract three hundred eighty-nine billion. That's a difference of one point one trillion dollars. Hundreds of thousands of millions. No, 1.1 billion. Billion. 1.1 billion. If I read this correctly, that's, I'm sorry, hundreds of thousands, uh, millions, billions. I'm not sure if I'm doing this math correctly. But it's a substantial amount. Let me... Just again, one point five.
hundreds of thousands, millions, billions, 1.5 trillion. Subtract 389 billion. Hundreds of thousands, millions. Millions, billions, okay. Yeah, 1.1, 1 .1, hundreds of thousands, millions, billions, trillion. Yeah, 1.1 1 .1 trillion, oh my gosh. And the population overall in the United States of America. And, you know, we point the finger and we want to say different things, that and the third, of reasons why this, that, and the third. But there's simple things that are going on. Simple. Trying to get approved for a loan for a home. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're likely to do better uh, if, you know, you're going with someone, you know. Um, just different things like that. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let's try to do a little bit more appreciation towards... Uh, you know, Jewish culture uh, for the month of May uh, in the United States. Thank you to anybody and everybody who decided they're going to kick it with your man, Chan Man, at the house. I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Bye. All right, all right. Thank you so much to anybody and everybody who decided to come kick it with your man, Chan Man, at the house. Um, I'm going to Google Scholar right now, and I'm going to type in a uh, very ignorant question that I just want to, and I know it's stereotypical to talk about Jewish people and finances and the economy and everything, uh, but I just want to type in, what is it that Jewish people would like us to know, you know, most about them first? Uh, so let me go to Google Scholar and, and just kind of their situation. Um, um, in America... Like the Jewish American. Um, I'm going to an article uh, written in 2000. The Jewish American Identity. Um, here, let me let AI... Um, See, when I let AI handle this, um, it also kind of gives me justification, you know, not justification, but like, you know, it's not me. Sometimes Alibi. Jewish, sometimes not. The closeting of Jewish American identity. Michael L. Hecht. And Sandra L. Faulkner. Pages 372 to 387. Published online, May 22nd, 2009. Okay, so this is from 2009. Um, let's see if I can pull it up. And I just kind of look at, you know, the Jewish um, identity. Um... Just, are they going to pull it up? Let's take a look. Uh, man, this thing's not going to pull it up. 
Okay, let me find another one. Let's let's read the abstract. Let's just read the abstract since we're already here. Abstract. We explored the negotiation of Jewish American identity from a communication theory of identity perspective. Interviews with 26 Jewish Americans revealed that participants contend with their group-based identity on personal and relational levels when faced with decisions about whether to reveal or conceal their Jewish identity. Participants discussed Jewish identity management in their own lives and in the lives of other people they know. Analyses resulting in the themes of closeting, centrality of identity, and potential consequences reflect participants' personal and relational levels of identity. These themes are played out in the how, when, why, and if of participants' identity management. Rules were derived to explain these processes, and the implications of the themes are discussed in light of the communication theory of identity and communication boundary management. Okay, so that was just the abstract. Let me see if that. Let me get the article. Submit an article. Uh. All right, let me. Uh, I just want to know. Here, let me just go to Google real quick. What? Is. Let me see. Jewish heritage. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's go to YouTube. And we're just going to do just a little bit more. And we're just going to go ahead and, uh, give it a break. Uh, cause, you know, I don't want to force the content creating. Um. What is... Jewish heritage. Um, uh, they're talking about Jewish people in Canada. Uh, Trying to see who I pick, because uh, I want to make sure. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pick an Orthodox Jew. I'm sorry, I mean Orthodox Jew. I'm gonna get an Orthodox Jew. Talks about Jewish history. Well. Let's talk about Jewish women. And why our tradition gives women different roles compared to men. I wanted to show the pride and... This is BBC uh, three years ago. ...women within the Orthodox community. And also sometimes sexiness and beauty that they wanted to show because they didn't feel inferior, they didn't feel battered, they didn't feel subdued. The title, Daughters of the Kim, 
came from a sentence that one of my first subject told me once. The pride of a daughter of the king, a daughter of God, resides in the deepest fold of her soul. And I wanted to find that pride and I wanted to get into this world. Since they don't appear so much in picture and they don't appear so much in the street, I chose to photograph these women with flesh and give 100% attention to them and whatever they do. Starting in Brooklyn, the second and third biggest Jewish community in the world, which are Israel and Paris, and then later on, Morocco and Tunisia. And some of them said, you know, it's not shniut, it's not kosher to give me attention. I'm supposed to be within myself. But I was also looking at intimacy. I was looking at family unity. Having okay. A, a just sitting there, just um, learning about Jewish heritage. Um, that was... Um, uh, photographer, uh, here, you know me, I'm gonna let AI take over. Photographer Federica Valabrega takes us inside the secretive lives of Orthodox Jewish women from around the globe, from New York to Jerusalem. And one thing that I heard Video by Sebastian Diaz was, it, it sounded like she was saying Jewish women didn't really feel... Jewish, but I'm really confused about my religion and why our tradition gives women different roles compared to men. I wanted to show the pride and the beauty and the spirituality of the women within the Orthodox community. So, also sometimes sexiness and beauty that they wanted to show because they didn't feel inferior, they didn't feel battered, they didn't feel subdued. Okay, so it sounded like the women didn't really feel battered or anything, but they did have different, they had gender roles. Um, let me take a quick look into that real quick. What, what, how, how much do women uh, bring to the uh, economy? Not just women. Uh, oh yeah, just women. Contribute. Cause it sounded like she said they did have gender roles, but women didn't feel battered and what not, you know, um, what's this, um, this is the World Bank, uh, let me see, see what they say. Gender equality is important for economic growth. Women are one half of the world's population, but only contribute to 37% of the global GDP. An economy cannot operate at its full potential if half of its population cannot fully contribute to it Mar 8, 2019. Okay. Trade, Gender, Women, World Bank. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's it right there. Okay. Um... That's it right there. We need to work as a team. How many, uh, let's say, white women work now compared to black uh, women? Now, this may be different. See, now this is where, um, let's look at payscale.com. Oh, goodness, they want me to pay. Uh, 
Economic Policy Institute, EPA.org. Um, or is everybody wants you to pay? Uh, here, let me see if I can get it here. Um, let's see. I'm just going to tell AI to get started. The wage gap between Latina workers and white non-Hispanic male workers persists across the wage distribution within occupations and among those with the same amount of education. Figure A below shows wages for Hispanic women and white non-Hispanic men at select points in their respective wage distributions. The 10th percentile Latina wage identifies the wage at which 10% of Latina workers earn less while 90% of Latina workers earn more. At the 10th percentile, Latina workers are paid $8.53 per hour or 85% of the white male wage at the 10th percentile, $10.03 per hour. This wage gap of 15% is the smallest the gap gets, likely due to the wage floor set by the minimum wage. The gap rises to 41% at the middle of the wage distribution and to 55% at the 95th percentile. That means that even the best paid Latinas are paid half as much as the best paid white non-Hispanic men. Latinos are, thus, vastly overrepresented in low... Okay. That's not exactly what I was looking for, but that was a piece of information. Um, so, there's even other information that we have to contribute or uh, incorporate. Uh, this was, again, from the Economic Policy Institute uh by Elise Gold and Adriana Kolger. Uh, this is approximately November 2017. Um, that was interesting about, uh, real quick, uh, just being dumb. Uh, we're going to do one last thing Jewish Heritage uh, Month. We're just going to go for kids. We're going to keep this basic. Let me see if I, if I can find anything. Hi. Yeah, commercial. Always been stormy with all the clashes of religion, persecution, up. expulsion, and conflicts. This video will trace their stories back to the time of Judah Kingdom after the control of the Assyrians for a century. In five, okay, never mind. We'll skip that one. Let me see, Jewish Heritage Month. Let me let me take it like PBS or something. Give me just one moment. Just trying to find a good one. All right, I'm. 
anti-Semitism, combined with the desire to fit in, pushed many Jewish immigrants to downplay their Judaism. They turned their backs on their old countries to embrace their new home, even when that new home wasn't too happy to have them. But when their brothers and sisters in Europe faced a crisis of unimaginable horror, these American Jews were forced to reconsider their place in America. This is unpacked on YouTube. While Jews began arriving in America in the 1600s, there were still less than 200,000 American Jews by the end of the 19th century, when over 2 million Jews from Russia arrived, fleeing pogroms. Unfortunately for these new immigrants, the 2 million Jews arrived as part of a larger wave of over 20 million total immigrants from Eastern and Southern Europe that sparked a backlash among Anglo-Americans who wanted to keep out immigrants they considered racially or culturally inferior. Congress passed the Johnson-Reed Act in 1924, limiting the annual... Okay. Oof. Well, I didn't know it was that... I mean, they went back. Uh, what year was that again? Let me see. Um, that American uh, Jews started appearing. Uh, These American Jews were forced to reconnect of unimaginable horror. Were forced to place in a. While Jews began arriving in America in the 1600s. 1600s. Wow. Yeah, well, all right. Um, let's see. That was a whole lot. Let me just see it real quick. All right. I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. Um, that was a lot of information. Um, I'm going to do this real basic one. This is terrible. It, it just keeps popping up. Why are Jews rich? And it's like, it keeps popping up. Uh, Okay, now when I'm about to click on it, where did it go? You know, and that's not what I'm talking about. There's more to it. It can't just be, why are Jews rich? You know, there's different. And that's why I was kind of taking a look at marriage. It was kind of like, okay, it, it, it has to be something else. It can't just be, uh, and as soon as... I'm about to click on it. it. Like it wants to hide. Let me see. What's this right here? All right, let, let's just take a quick break. Uh, this is Chairman House of Barf. All right, all right. Thank you so much to anybody and everybody who decided to come back kick it with your man Chairman at the House of Barf. We're just taking a look into Jewish heritage. Uh, it's the month of May. Just trying to do, uh, you know, a little research. Um. Right now, I'm looking at alux.com. Uh, this is uh, 15 reasons why Jewish people are richer. Let's just go ahead and just take a quick look. Uh, 
Judaism and wealth. Judaism doesn't cast poverty as a sign of righteousness, as other beliefs might. Instead, they believe each person should avoid poverty and be gainfully employed to earn their own living. This is a fundamental value that has led to a good work ethic and a personal responsibility for I'm each person earning their own keep. Jewish people also believe in giving. They believe that 10 to 20% of wages should go toward religious and charitable causes. However, they don't believe in relying on charity to lift yourself up, and certainly not to become a burden on the community. Growing up with this kind of mindset makes for a solid foundation to see success as the only option. Number two, European Jews couldn't own land. If you think anti-Semitism was only popularized in World War II, think again. Jewish people have had a tough history, including not being able to own land in Europe from as far back as the medieval times. But where there's a will, there's a way, so Jewish people found alternative ways to build their wealth outside of property owning. One of them being merchants and traders, industries to this day where they still have a big footprint in most countries. This created a safety net for Jewish communities wow. because where so, their services were needed. There's 15 reasons, but just even as just top couple of three. Wow. Just, uh, what was it? No, it was just two. Um, you can't be, you know, you can't be in poverty. Uh, you got a, a trade. We had $3 million oh. in assets. Oh, you told us to. Try to skip this commercial. Religious opportunity was taken. To Christians in the Middle Ages, charging interest was a sin. This prevented them from holding any type of financial job, leaving the opportunities in that field open to the Jewish community who did not see lending in the same way. Jewish people became prominent in money lending businesses. The Jewish people's early success in this lucrative business was a forerunner for many of the stereotypes. Yeah, so, you know, a couple of the first ones. Uh, couldn't own land, so I had to figure out another way to make money. Um, um, in, in religion, uh, it wasn't so much deemed, uh, terrible. Uh, and, um, let me see, uh, you, you couldn't be in poverty. And there's, there's still 12 more reasons uh, that, you know, uh, supposedly, not supposedly, but, you know, uh, this, to the stereotype, uh, why are Jewish people richer? Um, well, I'm going to go ahead, get ready to take a break. Um, we'll get ready to start. Uh, let's see where we're at, uh, in the market, uh, in Europe. Let's see if Asia started. It's about 3 a.m. Uh, is Asia, no, Asia's still not, Asia still has not started, I can't remember all the hours, uh, but we're in Europe, what's going on in Europe? Trade around, uh, Burberry up 2.8%, the, uh, likes of uh, Ryanair rallying more than 2% as well on the back of the numbers that we saw, load factors, uh, just how the company's performing at this stage. Some of the weaker trades in the online delivery space, the uh, big players from Delivery Hero to Just Eat are fading at this hour, both down more than 3%, Steve. Uh, thanks, Karen. Just looking at Greek stocks, up 6.6% in early trade. Greece's Conservative New Democracy Party has won a clear victory in the first round of elections, putting the Prime Minister... Okay, so Greece has uh, a vote that appears to have went 
uh, to the Democratic Party. Um, they're having a great time. Uh, looks like they're destroying the city, uh, which appears to be a, a symbol of excitement and jubilee uh, when you destroy your own city. Um, uh, so uh, it looks like it hasn't affected the markets too much. It looks like it's only went up about approximately 6%, um, which is uh, it's still pretty flat. Um, it's also a reflection of supposedly European markets mirror American markets pretty well. So um, <clears throat> we'll see how uh, Greece is. Um, let me see. It uh, looks like somebody in Greece so important is talking. Lost ground that still separates us from Europe. Let's take a look at the green okay. yield. I mean, um, 3.97. Um, that is... T- so, yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you to anybody and everybody. Uh, yeah. I was just putting some content together. I uh, just want to thank anybody and everybody who just started, decided to stop by and kick it with your man, Chairman at the House of Barf. Um, one thing I, I want to notice is how important it is to get married. Uh, I know we're in a generation of the microwave era where, you know, um, people just want to have their baby mama um, or the the mother of their children or the child of their children. And um, divorce, you can do it two or three times in your life. Uh, Four times, five times. But uh, not even the emotional strain or stress that it must bring on to you, but also the economic benefit of being a married couple compared to uh being single uh and and i know you may say uh, sixty thousand dollars is not that much money i'd rather just be single and stay to myself and keep my mind peaceful i like the way i have things set up in my refrigerator in my cabinets uh my my interior decorating is the way i like it uh, you can keep the 60000 Looking over the macro aspect of the economy, it's a difference of approximately about $1.1 trillion. Uh, it's not just uh, $60,000 anymore. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, that's a significant amount uh, for peace and quiet. Uh, you're, you're, uh, I mean, that's generational wealth. Uh, that is humongous because you're not even just concerned about your children. Uh, if we looked at some of the stuff that, you know, in the Jewish community that they were saying, uh, let's see what they're saying in the Greek government. We have seen a large inflow of money after the COVID with the recovery fund, which so far has been used uh, well uh, by the government. Uh, tourism bouncing back very, very strongly. Okay, Greece is bouncing back. I think they're huge on olive oil. I'm not sure. I got to look that up. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, um, you know, we can't, again, we just can't focus on our children. We have to think about our children's children. Uh, and, and that's a substantial amount uh, that we... Um, just kind of not I'm not being an advocate for getting married, but what I'm saying is um there are substantial benefits 
thought of uh, getting married compared to not getting married. Um, so, uh, I can't remember if there's anything else that I was about to just, I think there was something else that I want to state. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. So I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm going to think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up right here. Uh, if there's anything else that comes to me, I'll be sure to let you know. Um, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to try to hop on later. And uh, see what's going on with the U.S. equities. Uh, don't know what that topic's going to be about. Uh, got other topics to discuss. Uh, thank you to anybody and everybody who decided to come kick it at uh, uh, Chan Man's House of Barf. Uh, thank you. Peace. All right. <clears throat> all right. All right. Thank you so much to anybody and everybody who decided to come uh, kick it with your man Chan Man at the House of Barf. Uh, real quick for uh, we roll out. This is the Knowledge at Wharton. Uh, the Israeli way of doing business interview with Oxford professor uh, Derek J. Pinslar. Uh, it looks like the, the um, interviewer is Steve Sharetta uh, with Knowledge at Wharton. Let's go ahead and take a quick uh, peek at this, see what, uh, what they talk about. Uh, this is uh, where you branch off if um, you find it boring. Um, it's about to get boring because uh, I'm not even about to be saying anything. Uh, and after this, I'm probably about to go ahead and wrap it up and... Um, you know, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, start it real quick. Pairing ethnicity with economics uh, and looking at the two together, because that can be a controversial idea just starting off. It can be very controversial. No matter how you approach it, it, it is sensitive. The fact is that until the 1930s, 1940s, it was very common for scholars, including Jewish scholars, who were really embedded in their communities, to write about the, uh, the relationship between the Jewish religion or Jewish nationality and Jewish economic behavior. Nothing wrong really was attributed to it. Anti-Semites were making outrageous comments about Jewish economic behavior or domination, but, but Jews considered it a completely acceptable thing to do. And then came the horrors of the 1930s, 40s, Nazism, the Holocaust. And in the wake of that, a lot of the language that had been used to talk about Jews as a kind of a, an ethnic unit and an economic unit was discredited. I'm going to speed it up. no longer appropriate to talk about Jews that way. Even by Jews. Even by Jews. And so Jewish scholarship, scholarship on the history of the Jews, tended to focus on anything but economics. Religion was okay. Politics was okay. Culture was okay. But economics was taboo. Very few people wrote on economics every, every now and then. And just in the last, I'd say, decade, decade and a half, we now see young scholars who are now, you know, two generations removed away from, from the Holocaust, who are beginning to take this subject up, up again. And after all, you can't understand any kind of group behavior without, without economics. So enough time has passed, it would seem. I think enough time has passed, although there are people who still are um, nervous about it because of the way that anti-Semites have made use of economic arguments to demean the Jews. Well, let's get into what some of these characteristics or features of the Jewish approach are mm -hmm. and, and how they may differ from other cultures, other countries, other nations. Well, one thing I, I would say, there's, it, there's not some a monolithic thing called the Jewish economy that sort of marches across space and time. It's just that there seem to be certain forms of economic behavior or, or economic culture throughout much of the Jewish world that seem to repeat themselves in, in many different circumstances. And it's hard to know how far back to go, but certainly by the time we get into the later Middle Ages, up through early modern times, 20th century, the most important thing really is just one sentence, which is that Jews throughout most of history have not been peasants or aristocrats. 
throughout most of human history, most people until recently were peasants. They worked the land, they often couldn't leave the land, and that doesn't encourage economic innovation, it doesn't encourage literacy, it doesn't encourage numeracy, it doesn't encourage entrepreneurship. And aristocrats are lords of the land, and they tend to be a warrior elite, and that also does not encourage innovation. So who innovates in society? The middle classes, the townspeople, the bourgeois, or the burghers. Well, Jews have been for millennia primarily a people of townsmen. It might be a small town, it might be a large one. And they've worked in a mixture of crafts, but also in, in commerce. When people are doing that generation after generation, they develop certain comparative advantages, whether it's literacy or numeracy. And let's not forget the fact that Jews are connected with each other across space. The Jew in one town in Poland has Jewish distant family from another part of Poland or from somewhere in Germany and so on. So, uh, but the Israeli economy, as you alluded to in your last answer, has changed a lot over the last 30 years, let's say, without going back centuries, just right. look at the last 30 years. And it's gone from largely a social, socialistic approach to the economy to a much more capitalistic approach. Can you talk about that change and how it came about, why it came about? Sure, and I can do it by actually bridging a little bit from, you know, the 1600s I was talking about a second ago into, into directly into your question, which is the Jewish world in Central Eastern Europe primarily was just overwhelmed by the possibility of revolution in the 19th century. Capitalist revolution, transformation of economic relations, but also socialism, communism, various movements on the left. And national movements, Zionism is after all a classic form all right, of all Jewish right. nationalism. All right, that professor sounded, uh, Derek J. Pensar, sounded very informative, uh, made a uh, lot of good points. Um, <clears throat> just, um, again, something that we may have discovered earlier, which was uh, for a period, a long period of time, um, in the economy, um, there was multiple different roles. You had, uh, I guess, very powerful people. Uh, you had very poor people, slaves, uh, and Jews have always been able to kind of find their way in the middle. Uh, one thing we looked at earlier was, um, even when they came over to America, they weren't able to uh, purchase land for many, many years. So they always kind of find themselves in that middle ground. Uh, in, in I guess trades and uh, in e-commerce as well as uh, I guess arts or um, uh, whatever he said it was um, that little middle uh, middle class area so um, you know there's a whole lot to it uh, it also stated that um, um, th th there's no Jewish economy over space and time, uh, that, that was, um, a very powerful statement, um, it, it, it's nothing special, just more so, again, um, for the last however many years, Jewish have found themselves in the position of e-commerce, and, um, uh, I think it was artistics or something, but basically, you know, selling things, um, so yeah, uh, there's no monopoly on economics. There's no monopoly on funds. Uh, we just have to find those little things in the middle. Um, you know, not to compete with Jewish people, but, you know, if you're ever curious of what's this thing that you're hearing, and it seems to say that it's still offensive to many people from, uh, the professor's perspective. It's not something that is just like A-OK -okay to talk about Jewish people and economics and whatnot. But, you know, because uh, there's still a large group that's very uncomfortable. But, all right, I'm going to go ahead uh wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much to anybody who came to kick it with your man Cham at the House of Barf. I appreciate it. Um, I love you. Uh, God loves you. 
and uh, talk to you later. Amen. Peace.